Okay, guys, we're in Acts chapter 16. We're going to look at verses 16 through 40 today. Uh, We're on Paul's second missionary journey. Now, if you notice in your notes there, you'll see a map. Paul started out in Antioch over in Syria, which is north of where Israel is, crossed over through Asia Minor. Remember, he had the... the Macedonian dream, the the Macedonian call where the vision of the guy saying come over to here and he took that as being from the Lord and he crossed over into Macedonia and we see that he comes to Philippi. So we saw that last week and we saw that Lydia, which was a uh, somebody from Thyatira who dealt in purple cloth, gets saved, she and her household and they invite Paul to stay. So we're going to pick it up now in verse 16, and we're going to see that there's an issue of a slave girl, okay? Now let me just stop for a moment. I want you to understand, when you think about slavery in the Greco-Roman period, I don't want you to think about slavery the way it was in American history, okay? Not, Not in the South, or even in the northern colonies before they abolished slavery. When we talk about slavery in... The Roman, Greek, the Roman period here, most of the people who lived during this time were slaves. In fact, it's interesting, they, some slaves even owned slaves. Did, did you hear what I said? You were owned, and, but you could be like if you were a steward, like a manager or something. That means you made money for your owner... But you also made enough money that you, you profited from that to where you bought slaves. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so professionals were slaves. So we usually think in, we think in terms of slavery as laborers. No, no. In the Roman period, it was everybody from a lawyer down to, a, you know, to anyone. Okay, not just somebody who labored or who was a house servant, but you're talking about a, a lot of different people. And the whole purpose of slavery was to benefit an elite. You, do you understand what I'm saying? An elite. And, and that changes. From the Roman period, that would later change to peasants serving their, what, lords of their area. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So that has changed to, we even have a type of slavery today. It's called Work, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? So you're owned by the company. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But I want you to understand that it's not the same type of slavery that we have in American history. That's different, okay? I want you to understand that's different, and we see that here. So let's talk about this slave girl. Now look at verse 16. Now it happened that as they went to prayer, okay, remember they would go to prayer out by the river, Okay. Philippi did not have a synagogue. Now it happened as they went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. And she 
And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And she came out that very hour. Okay, so let's talk about this. First of all, as Paul and his companions went to prayer, a demon-possessed slave girl met them. Okay, so the scripture is going to be very clear here that this is a girl who is demon-possessed. All right, so as they go out to prayer, here's a girl who is demon-possessed. Now, I want you to understand, this. she has a specific demon here. She was possessed by the spirit of divination, which brought her owners much money. So she engaged in fortune-telling. Now, we still have fortune tellers today, don't we? You can watch TV, call a certain number, talk to somebody, and find out what's going to happen in your love life, okay? Uh, divination was an attempt to obtain secret knowledge, especially about the future. Divination occurred either through inspiration, possibly through a demon possession, which is what we see here, or the reading or interpreting of signs. So... In this culture, in most of the ancient Near East, what they would do is, is they would sacrifice a goat or a sheep, and then they would, it's, I think this is pretty gross, but they would uh, examine the intestines of the animal and, and try to determine the future based upon what they found. Wow, that's really it. So something was weird there, you know, I mean, uh, just... Being very honest with you, that's what they did. And they put a lot of stock into this. Every culture, every culture practiced this, except Israel, because it was forbidden. Every culture practiced this. So those who practiced divination assumed that the gods or the spirits had possession of secret knowledge that was desired by men. Like, and that's, that's very true. All of us want to know the what? The future, right? All of us want to know the future. And they believed that the gods or spirits could be induced to reveal this secret knowledge. It was highly developed by the ancient peoples. I mean, they had it down to a science. It literally was a science. They had books about it. How to do this. Even today we have books about how to interpret what? Dreams. You know what I'm saying? How to interpret. That's all divination. These practices were severely condemned by Moses. If you want to know, that text is in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 10 and 11. So here's a girl who's possessed by a spirit who gives who's making a lot of money for her owners because she's doing a lot of fortune telling. So let me just stop for a moment. How many of you remember, you've, you've been in church a while, okay? How many of you can remember years ago when, when it was very common in church to hear that you shouldn't get involved with that? How many of you remember that? Some of you are nodding your head. Like, don't get involved with horoscopes. Don't get involved with, with uh, palm readers. Did you understand I can remember growing up in the South and, and, and in the city, I don't know if it's true, I, I haven't seen this in Kerwinsville or Clearfield, maybe it's true in some of our bigger cities, but you would see, see a, a house, it's usually a trailer, 
with a sign out front with somebody saying they were a palm reader. How many of you remember seeing those kind of things? It's, It's very prevalent down south. So... And here's the thing, the reason why, and and I want to stress this again, the reason why you should not get involved with that is it's connected to the demonic. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's connected to the demonic. And when when you get involved in that, you are opening yourself up to Demonic influences. I'll just be honest with you. Now you say, George, I can't be possessed because I'm, I'm a believer. Yeah, I understand that. That's correct. But you can be oppressed. Did you understand what I'm saying? There is oppression, not possession. So you need to be aware of it. You need to be wise about what you're doing. So here's a girl who is possessed by the spirit of divination. And she makes her owners lots of money. Now I want you to see what she does. She followed Paul and his companions around and made a proclamation about them. So she follows Paul around and makes a proclamation about them. Now here's what she proclaimed. She proclaimed that they were servants of the Most High God who preached salvation. So is anything she's saying wrong? Okay, All right, now, we look at this because the very next thing I want you to see in verse 18 is this. Paul was annoyed by this woman after she did this for many days. How many of you, when you first read that, are like, okay, so what's the big deal here? What she's saying is true. Why is Paul annoyed? Anybody got an idea? Okay, that's a good thought, Denny. Denny's saying maybe she's warning people who didn't want to follow Christ. Okay, that's possible. Okay. But remember now, who is speaking? Is it the girl? It's the demon. It says in the text, the spirit. Okay. Now, why do you think Paul's annoyed that this demon is saying this? Okay, Bruce thinks maybe sarcasm. Okay, I want you to think for a moment. I'll take back to the Gospels. Whenever Jesus came in contact with somebody who was demon-possessed, oftentimes the demons would cry out, what have we to do with you, son of the Most High? You know, and, and, and Jesus would immediately tell them to what? Be quiet. Why do you think that is? Paul's doing the same thing here. Okay, he didn't want to be praised by them. Why do you think that is? Rhonda, that's really good. Why do you think that is? What's that? Okay, yeah, it wasn't part of the gospel. What were you going to say? You're good, Danny. You're close. Okay, all right, that's that's good. That's good, Cindy. That's close too. All right, so let me. It's a go ahead, Mike. Okay. Okay, that's good. That's good, Mike. That's really good thinking. Here's another one I want you to think of. It's close to a lot of what you were saying. 
It has to do with the validity of the message. By the demon, through the girl, saying, or by the demon in, in the interaction with Jesus, saying this is the Son of the Most High, the issue has to do with the validity of the message. What do you mean? The credibility. Paul is annoyed because he's wanting to see that the message that he's conveying doesn't receive its credibility or validity from a what? Demon. Did you understand what I'm saying? He wants it to stand on its own. Did you understand what I'm saying? So for instance, we, can, we understand this from everyday life. What do you mean? Well, how many of you like for somebody you don't like to speak to your credibility? No, not really, right? I mean, you know, I don't, don't take his word. I mean, it's nice that he said that, but don't, you know, that's the last person I want to vouch for me. Do you know what I'm saying? That's what's going on here. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why Jesus, see, this is, this is not an isolated thing that they're doing here. That's why Jesus, when he came in contact and the demons cried out, you would have thought, boy, that's a, that would gain somebody's attention that they're recognizing. No, no, Jesus said, be quiet. Do you understand? Be quiet. So it's an issue of validity, credibility here. And, he, and, and, and you don't want a demon giving credibility to, to your message. Do you understand? Because here's the thing. Let's stop for a moment. Because this girl saying that, even though it's true, that gives her a, a level of credibility above the one who's speaking. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because she's already known in the area as somebody who possesses what? Secret knowledge. Do you understand what I'm saying? Understanding of the future. So by her saying this, yeah, it's true, but it's saying that they have, she has more what? Knowledge. It gives her more credibility. Paul's annoyed by this, and, and what does he do? We, we'll see right here. What does he do? The gospel would be damaged by the association with the demon-possessed girl. The gospel stands on its own. It doesn't need a demon-possessed girl. Okay, so here's what Paul did. Paul commanded the demon to come out of the slave girl, and it did. Paul commanded the demon to come out of the girl, and it did. All right, let's just stop for a moment. I, I've been a believer now 30 years. Do I believe that there is such thing as demon possession? Yes. Is there a demon possession here in the United States? Yes. Okay. However, um, I think we have to be careful because you could go right now on, a, on, on, on christianbooks.com or go to Amazon and find all kinds of Christian books that tell you how to do it, okay, to have an encounter with the demon, all right? What I'm going to try to tell you is, is you've got to be careful because the Scripture does not tell us very much about how to engage. Do you understand? It just says you have authority. And so I believe Christians have authority 
when they come in contact. But what I have learned, I remember long ago, a missionary professor that I had that says, it's real, he's seen it, but you don't go looking for it. And, and we see that here in the history here. They're not going around, what demon-possessed person can we free here? Okay? I mean, he actually put up with her for, for a few days. Okay? So I just want you to understand, so you've got to be careful. All right? So, here's what happens. Look with me now. There's a reaction. And what I want you to see is, well, let, let me just read to you and I'll make a comment here, okay? Verse 19, but when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. They teach customs which are unlawful for us being Romans to receive or as being Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitudes rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. When they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailers to keep them securely. And having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet to the stocks. Okay, so let's look at what's going on here. Her owners seized Paul and Silas when they saw their source of money was what? Gone. So... All of a sudden, this girl doesn't have this spirit anymore, so guess what? She can't do anymore. She can't figure out what's happening in the future for people. So there goes the money, okay? There goes the money. So here's what I want you to see that's interesting, though. That's the underlying issue. Would everybody agree with that? Okay, now look what goes on. They brought them to the magistrates, accusing them of being Jews who troubled the city. Okay, now something's different here. Okay, something's different. All right, now look now. The next thing, they also accused them of teaching doctrines that were unlawful for the Romans, for Romans to practice. All right, stop for a moment. What's the underlying issue? Money, what did they accuse him of? Spreading false doctrine. You think that still happens today? Folks, I, I'm, I'm, you know, as I'm getting older, and a lot of times when I watch the news, I've, I've gotten to where it, I've got a saying now, just follow the buck. Just follow the buck. Isn't that true? And a lot of the stuff that's presented is presented in a way that's going to raise up people to get angry, but it really doesn't have anything to do with that issue. It has to do with the bottom line, somebody's not getting the bucks. Did you understand what I'm saying? Somebody's bottom line is going to hurt. And that's what happens. And you see this here, what's going on. I'm going to be honest with you. Do you want to know why the number one reason why Christians were persecuted in the Roman Empire? You want to know what the number one reason was? Well, it was their faith in Jesus. Yes, it was their faith in Jesus, 
But it, the reason why their faith in Jesus was affecting things is because the Roman Empire couldn't care less what you believed so long as you held to one thing as being supreme, the Roman Empire. And that was, to be honest with you, that was demonstrated by you offering incense, just a little bit of stuff on a flame, to the emperor. That, it's, that suggested that you were okay with the empire, the country, whatever, and it didn't matter. You could go and believe whatever you wanted to believe after that, just so long as you did that. Now here comes Christians, and they come along and say, there's only one Lord, and his name is who? Jesus. It's not Caesar. The threat of Christianity in the Roman Empire had nothing to do with its religion. It, it threatened the core of what was the empire. Do you understand what I'm saying? It threatened the core of what was the empire. And to be honest with you, it threatened even the economic basis for everything. Now, if you go through history from that time forward and you see the persecutions of Christians, that's what happens. It's because the state or states, when I say state, I'm talking about you know, like we say the state of the United States, you understand the state, the government, is threatened by Christians because it's going to affect the status quo. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so you see the persecution rise up. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about right now. Do you want to know what the number one reason for Christians being persecuted in China is for? It's all about control. It's because there are 140 million Christians. That's more Christians than there are Communist Party members. Do you understand what I'm saying? And they want to control the church so that they remain in what? Power. See, this is what you've got to understand when you read these things. So here, you've got a couple of guys that are upset with them because they are now lost their money basis for making And they were probably making lots of money. But you just can't go to the magistrate and say, these two words, these two guys said something and now our girl can't tell everybody what the secret is. You'd get laughed out of court, right? But you have to bring a charge that will stir up people. Okay, yes, Lord. Well, no, I think the spirit, who, who understands what that demon's thinking was? He recognizes this is the servant of the Most High God. Look, here's what you're going to see later, okay? Later when he's in Ephesus, you, how many of you read the story of the sons of Sceva, the exorcist? And they were casting out demons in the name of Jesus and in the name of Paul. The demon speaks back. We're going to look at this in a few weeks. The demon speaks back to them and says... Jesus we know, and Paul we know, who are you? Now, when you look at the word there, no, it's interesting. Our English word uses the same word, no, but in the Greek, it's two different words. It's two different Greek words for no. Jesus we know, one word. Paul we know, another word for no. Now, here's the difference. Jesus we know, the word that's used there is knowledge by experience. Would demons know Jesus by experience? Yeah, because he's God. Paul we know, 
It's knowledge by observation. Hey, you're being watched. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, I, you know, I can't speak as to why the girl was following him, but it's, she's being possessed by a demon. Who knows? Okay? So, what I'm trying to show to you is, is that here they are, they're being accused of something. It has nothing to do with what the real issue is. Okay? Now, let's go on. The mob reacts, and isn't that what mobs do? They don't really know what's going on, but they just get upset and they react, right? They just react. They react, and the magistrates commanded Paul and Silas to be beaten with rods. Okay? That still happens today in a lot of, in a lot of Middle Eastern Asian countries where you could be beaten with a bamboo rod. And usually what they do is they fray it at the end so that it literally rips open the what? The skin on your back. Because notice what it says there. They took their clothes off of them. They ripped their clothes off of them. Okay? Now, after beating Paul and Silas, the mob threw them into prison. The mob threw them into prison. And the jailer... The jailer put them in stocks after putting them in the inter-prison. So they're in the most innermost part of the jail, and he puts them in stocks, which is like it's just not enough to have a, have a cage there. They got them locked up pretty secure. All right? Now notice with me verses 25 to 34, and we're going to see the earthquake. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. The keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for the light and ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And they took them the same hour, he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Okay, what's going on here? First of all, this is what's amazing to me, and I've heard stories of this. This happens even today. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang hymns as the prisoners listened. They had just gotten beaten. I mean, and I'm telling you that it, it's not like today where you've got to be very careful how you handle a prisoner. There's no care in handling a prisoner in these times. So they're in the inner prison and they spend the night praying and singing. What an attitude about the things they go through, right? Notice now, the prisoners were listening. Now, 
A great earthquake opened every door and unlocked everyone's chain. Now, okay, you might understand an earthquake causing a door to be opened, right? Things are heaving. You might understand that. Have you ever known an earthquake? Because you maybe have felt, I, you know, I've felt an earthquake. Sometimes we feel the tremors when they happen. Have you ever noticed it to unlock locks on chains? Oh, wow, we must have had an earthquake. That chain on the gate there is unlocked. Ever you noticed that? Have you ever noticed? This has got to be a what? A God thing, right? This is a God thing. So, after being awakened, the jailer sought to take his life, fearing the prisoners had escaped. Why does he want to take his own life, guys? What's that? Yeah, because you understand, in this day and age, think about this, we sometimes have prison escapes here in in the United States, do they take the warden and kill him because the prisoners escaped in the United States? No, they don't do that. They might fire him or transfer him somewhere. But I want you to understand, in this place, this time, if you you were basically responsible for making sure that prisoner was there. If they left, they killed you because they maybe thought that maybe you paid them off. You got paid off by the prisoners. You know what I'm saying? To allow them to escape. So this guy's ready to take his own life. Why? Because it's almost better to take your own life than go through what they were about to put him through if the prisoners had escaped. Now, after Paul assured him that they were still there, the jailer asked how to be saved. So Paul and Silas proclaimed the gospel to the jailer and his family. All right, stop for a moment. Does the warden here at the county jail have an apartment where his family lives at the jail complex here. Do we have that kind of situation here? No, we would never think. That's crazy. In their day, the warden and his family, up until even just a few centuries ago, would stay at the prison with his family. Not a great place would it be, huh? But your family's there, all right? Now... The jailer washed their wounds and baptized them with his family for their belief. Now, here's what I want you to stand. Jails are pretty filthy during this time period. They've been beaten, thrown in jail. Notice something. They didn't care for them. They didn't wash their wounds. They didn't give them anything to disinfect it. That's all part of the punishment. The jailer now, having received Christ, having been saved, he washes their wounds. And the jailer took them into his dwelling and fed them as he rejoiced over his salvation. That's a changed life, isn't it? Okay? Now, I want you to notice what happens the next day, Paul's release. Look with me at 35 through 40. So when it was day, the magistrate sent officers saying, let these men, let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. All right? Now listen to this. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. Now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. And the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. 
Then they came out and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart the city. So they went out of prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. All right, let's see what's going on here. Because this is really weird as far as our standards. What's going on here? All of a sudden, things change. What's going on here? Well, you're going to find out what's going on here. First of all, on the next day, the magistrates ordered that Paul and Silas be released. So they're like, okay, you, you almost think that the magistrates know what's going on here, that it has to do with these other guys losing their profit, okay? So they got them beaten. The mob did, took, did a rough job on them. They spent the night in prison. Okay, let them out. They can leave. Because you know when you let them out, if you're normal, you're getting out of town, right? Okay. So on the next day, the magistrates ordered Paul and Silas to be released. They declared that they have publicly inflicted a shameful punishment on Roman citizens. Okay, stop now. Something changes here. Paul's like, no, 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 no. You're not just getting us out of here. You did us wrong because we are Romans. And by that, they mean Roman citizens. All right, stop for a moment. What I, what I already told you earlier was is that a majority of the Roman Empire were what? Slaves. Very few citizens. And you could become a citizen by being born a Roman. Okay, so there were certain families and stuff who were a part of the original Rome when it was created. And they had citizenship. They were original citizens. You could also acquire citizenship from the emperor, usually for a price. And a lot of people bought their citizenship. Now, it was a hefty price. Or you were born a citizen. Paul, we're going to find out later, is born a citizen. Now, here's the rights that you had as a Roman citizen. As a Roman citizen, history shows us this, you had a right to a stipend of food per year. You could go to the Roman authorities in a city and get your stipend of food. That wasn't available to everybody, but that was available to who? Roman citizens. You had certain rights in appearing before the court system, and ultimately a Roman citizen could appeal to who? Caesar, meaning he would like his case taken to Caesar to be decided. As a Roman citizen, you had a right not to be beaten or bound. You were to be treated with respect. As a Roman citizen, if you were sentenced to death, it was not by crucifixion, which was considered, even then and to today, is a cruel form of execution. You were given a merciful, a merciful, think about that word, a merciful means of death, meaning they would behead you. Now stop for a moment. You know how Paul, Peter, Peter was crucified, right? Cru crucified upside down. He was crucified. Paul, when he was executed, notice they didn't crucify him. They did what? We know from history. They cut off his head. Why? Because he was a Roman. He was a Roman citizen. So Paul says, look, you've publicly inflicted a shameful punishment on Roman citizens. And he pointed out now that they wanted to secretly release them from prison. So now you just want to let us go secretly and you guys have it done right? You just want to let me go secretly like we're not going to deal with this issue? 
So Paul called for the magistrates to come personally and release them. Hey, why don't they come and let us out themselves? We're not going anywhere. So now, can I, have you noticed now, who's got authority? Because why? The chances are that the magistrates themselves are not even Roman citizens. Did you hear what I said? The chances are that even the magistrates themselves are not Roman citizens. Is that possible? Yeah. Because you're going to notice later Paul's interaction with the centurion and commanders of the Roman army. One says, I purchased my citizenship. So it's possible to even be in an army holding a position like a centurion or a general or something and not even be a citizen. Okay? So the authority issue has changed here. So when the magistrates heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, notice what it says. They were afraid. Here's why. To mistreat a Roman citizen would invite the wrath of Rome upon your city. You understand what I'm saying? So now they're afraid because this isn't just a case of some couple of guys losing their profit margin. It's become something else now. Okay? It's become something else. So when the magistrates heard that Paul and Cyrus were Roman citizens, they were afraid. And so the magistrates personally released them from jail. And notice, they begged them to leave. Wow, something's changed here, hasn't it? Please leave. We're sorry. Hey, we'll even give you lunch to go. We're sorry. Okay, we're sorry. Hey, here, here's a gift certificate to the local whatever restaurant in the next town. Just go. Okay? Now, after visiting and encouraging the household of Lydia, Paul and his companions left Philippi. So they left. They left Philippi. 